This episode of Your Catholic Life is brought to you by Iowa Catholic Radio, connecting listeners with Christ, iowacatholicradio.com, and everywhere you are on the free Iowa Catholic Radio app. Welcome in, everyone, to Your Catholic Life, a podcast for Catholics by Catholics, helping you grow in your faith. I'm John Leonetti, your host. Are you a perfectionist, overachiever, people pleaser? Sounds like the beginning of an infomercial, right? That I have the cure for you. Actually, my guest today does, and she looks to no one else but the saints. As a lifetime overachiever, award-winning author, print and broadcast journalist, and former presidential speechwriter struggled with perfectionism, but through her faith, motherhood, and especially the example of the saints, Colleen Carroll Campbell has come to know a sense of freedom from perfectionism and a desire to seek only the will of God. You're going to enjoy this, friends. Here's my interview with Colleen Carroll Campbell. Hi, Colleen. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. This book is everywhere and has been endorsed by everyone. <laughs> I don't know about that, but that's good to hear. It's you're, awesome. You're it. <laughs> I love it. Um, you, you, like many others, struggled with an unbelievable desire to be perfect. And, and let's be honest here, right? I mean, with your career, you were a presidential speechwriter. Which president? Uh, President George W. Bush. Unbelievable. You don't get to that level, I think, you know, on accident. So, I mean, in, in some in some cases, you know, this desire, I'm sure this drive to be perfect did take you far in a career. Uh, but what you're saying here is you're kind of pulling back the reins on this and saying that, that that's not really the life that, that God had in store for you. How so? That's right. And I don't mean by that that we can't uh, strive for big accomplishments or try to do our best in life, in our work, or anything else. Uh, but what I began to recognize, specifically nine years ago when I became a mom, is that this perfectionism that sometimes seemed helpful in my professional life was going to be a real problem, not only in motherhood, but in my spiritual life. Hmm. And I began to realize that at the root of a lot of my striving, again, not saying you can't strive for excellence and try to do your best, but at the root of a lot of that, for me at least, and I think for many of us, was this sense that I had to kind of earn God's love, or at least keep earning it, and and, uh, keep proving myself worthy of it somehow. And I wouldn't have maybe said that in so many words, but I think this sense of earning love and sort of working our way to heaven does uh, creep up in the lives of a lot of us who want to do big things for God, but too often think that all depends on us. Yeah, I, you see this in the life of the saints. Even some of them that fell into this, uh, Colleen, I, you know, some of them that fell, I, I think of maybe St. Therese of Lisieux, uh, people right, that exactly. wanted that perfection, even to the point where it was getting in the way of their relationship with God. Um, and, and I like how you say this, right? You, you talk about the need to overcome perfectionism, but you don't believe in giving up on perfection altogether. That's right. And so that's the heart of perfection interweaved my own story with the stories of these seven, what I call recovering perfectionist mm-hmm. saints, who did not give up on perfection, but they started to pursue something different, gospel perfection instead. And there's a huge difference between worldly perfectionism and gospel perfection. In fact, I'd say they're not just different, they're diametrically opposed. Worldly perfectionism is all about our control and comparisons and these impossible expectations we put on ourselves and our lives and sometimes others around us. Gospel perfection isn't about striving. It's about surrender. It's about admitting our weaknesses, but then allowing God to work through those and bring us to a new place and really getting our dreams of perfect in line with His, which is often about 
uh, not necessarily flawlessness in every area of our lives, but rather humility and that sense of leaning on Him in every moment. That's the road to gospel perfection, and it's a lot more liberating and joyful, the road that these recovering perfectionist saints ultimately got onto, uh, than the road, the treadmill, I would say, of worldly perfectionism. You do say that it was motherhood that taught you this. Um, I, I think motherhood and fatherhood is God's, you know, a way of humbling us a little bit. <laughs> or a lot, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and that was what I found. I mean, I think perfectionism probably had always been a problem in my life, but, you know, when you have these impossible expectations of yourself or your life, uh, children can crash those pretty fast, and it's not that there's anything that they do wrong, but rather, you know, I was seeing every little thing I was doing wrong and beating myself up about it. And when you're in the midst of beating yourself up over each failure or mistake, you can't really be present and joyful and unconditionally loving as you want to be as a parent. So that kind of awakened me to this problem. But as I dug deeper, I recognized that it was also infiltrating other parts of my life I hadn't noticed. And it was interesting because I discovered perfectionism takes a lot more forms than I once thought. I used to think perfectionists had no sense of humor, and they were, you know, uptight about every little aspect of their lives, and their houses were perfectly clean. But there's a lot of different ways to be a perfectionist. Give me another one. Well, we certainly see scrupulosity as common among the saints, and Mm -hmm. there are versions of this still very big today, you know, obsessing over every little fault or sin. It's oftentimes imaginary sins. Discouragement is a big one for perfectionists. Oh, I did it again. I'm never going to get out of this, or how could I fall? Um, Anxiety. An image of God that's distorted and overly harsh, Um, harshness and hurry toward ourselves and others. Distraction is a big one for Mm. perfectionists. You know, I've got to do this, but I've got to do that, too. Got to do it all over commitment. Workaholism is a big one. And uh, just an excessive concern for reputation, comparing, control. And it can all lead to this sense of spiritual burnout of, you know, we're trying to live to the world's expectations of perfect, and then we think our faith is just goading us to this kind of white-knuckled flawlessness. And you can hit a point where you just kind of throw up your hands and I can't do any of this. And so, ironically, we tend to think of perfectionism as sort of a road to holiness, but really it's a very dangerous detour. The saint you leaned on the most through this process was? Uh, maybe Francis de Sales, who was a wonderful uh, guide for his friend Jane de Chantal. I especially identified with Jane. She was a mom of four and a uh, busy woman was, you know, living and uh, trying to navigate a very difficult situation in her life and in the world. And she was very hard on herself and, as a result, hard on her kids and hard on other people. And it was when Francis de Sales stepped up and showed her a different way, he himself being a recovering perfectionist, a way of gentleness with herself and others, all stemming from the recognition that God was looking at her with love and gentleness. Um, I found his his remarks and his writings to her really consoling and helpful, and then hers became the same, and that's how it works with these recovering perfectionist saints. One recovers, and then they become a beacon for so many others to do the same, which is why it's so important for us to kind of get on this path to healing, because we can lead others there as well, including in our own families. Uh, today's the Feast of St. Benedict. Did he teach us anything about this? He's a great one, and in the Heart of Perfection, I dedicate a chapter to him. And, you know, a lot of times we think of Benedict in balance, the 1,500-year-old Benedict rule of St. Benedict as something uh, that must have been formulated by a really easygoing guy. But if you study Benedict's life, he was very hardcore. He was mm-hmm. a serious driver. He was kind of filled with this holy zeal and fire, lived in a cave for three years before he came up with this rule. And one thing that he learned, even through his failures, you know, a lot of people don't realize he initially started a monastic community that kind of 
went up in smoke. They ran him out on a rail, even tried to poison him. And then he used those failures to go on to build what became this enduring monastic tradition we still have today. And one of the things that he learned was the importance of respecting our limits as Christians. This can be especially important for workaholics. The sense that, you know, we can't do everything we want to do as well as we want to do it as soon as we want to do it, and that's okay because God's got this even when we don't. So Benedict would say that it takes a lot more discipline at times to let go of your work or the project, step away, take the time to pray, to rest, to be present to your loved ones, to eat, and then trust that God will be there and and fill in where you can't do everything. Because really, at the end of the day, the fruit of our work is all dependent on God, not us. Is there a patron saint of people pleasers? <laughs> I think it's Therese of Lisieux. Yeah, you're she right about you're right about a couple in there. Yeah, that's right. Therese gets her own chapter uh, near the end of The Heart of Perfection, and she struggled a lot with this. She lost her mom, mom young. She moves into this convent where she's kind of surrounded by this gaggle of sort of critical mothers, and she had to come to grips with the fact that she wasn't going to win everyone's approval and that it was God's approval that counted. And that, you know, that sounds easy enough, but it was a serious struggle for her. And her little way was really forged in the midst of a battle with perfectionism and a battle to accept her own weakness and not to hate herself for it but to see herself as God saw her, which is lovable in her weakness. It seems to me, Colleen, this is something where the mercy of God can really can really help. Meditating on the mercy of God, I have to think, um, you know, taking that kind of weight off of ourselves and leaning on the mercy of God, that it's not about us, that it's about Him. And it's not about our perfection in His light, just like our own children who are imperfect, we love them. When, when you know, my son and daughter was, was getting up and trying to walk, they would fall. I mean, how many more times than, than they would take steps? But I love them. I wasn't celebrating that you know, fall. I was, I was joyfully, eagerly waiting for them to be able to get to me um, and, and helping them, coaching them along the way. This is the mercy of God. That's exactly right. And that can be one of the great gifts for parenthood. It certainly was for me that I realized I'm not looking at my children with condemnation and judgment each time they make a mistake. I really am looking at them with love. I'm disappointed sometimes, but I'm always on their side, and I think this is really important. Alphonsus Liguri, another recovering perfectionist saint that I write about in The Heart of Perfection, struggled for a long time with this. You know, how is God looking at me? And his image of God was this very um, uh, nitpicking and, and driving and judgmental God because, he, you know, he had come from a family where he got a lot of that and he thought that's how God was looking at him. And it was only when he healed his image of God and began to see God as this loving father who's really on his side and rooting for him that he was able to break free from this trap. So I think that's important for us to recognize that if we love our children, how much more does God the Father love us and look on us with love, even and especially in the midst of our weakness? Well, you're still writing speeches. They're only yours now that you're going out and giving <laughs> all over. Uh, where where are you? Ta- where is this taking you? I've got a few uh, in St. Louis where I live. I've got one in Minneapolis. And then in early 2020, I'm doing a number of women's conferences around the country. But Colleen-Campbell has all the details, um, and I every few months I, I kind of update my speaking schedule so people can see where I'm headed. But Colleen-Campbell, and, and they can find out more about the Heart of Perfection there as well, which is also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the rest. Is it a little strange writing your own speeches now? You know, I really like it. I don't know if I'd want to go back to the other. You know, writing in someone else's voice is tough. I I, kind of like writing in my own. Yeah. Uh, uh, Here's the website, friends. uh, Colleen-Campbell.com or hyphen. Campbell.com is where you can go and you can find this book. And it is everywhere, friends. Colleen Carroll, thank you so much for coming on. This was wonderful. 
Thanks for having me. So there you have it, friends. St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Benedict, Alphonsus Liguori, to name a few. This is just another reason to read their lives. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The saints' lives change lives. And here's yet another example of that in Colleen Carroll Campbell. Read her book. And friends, make sure to share this and other episodes of Your Catholic Life on Facebook and Twitter. Inviting your friends to take part in the show, visit our website at yourcatholiclifepodcast.com as well. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm John Leonetti signing off here on Your Catholic Life. Remember, the only way to happiness is by holiness. Be confident in Christ's mercy and his love today.